Welcome to the fifth episode of VSML Renaissance Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Hamstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who I'm constantly asking to shut up on calls, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It was just such an appropriate intro for you this week, given how, let's be honest, pissy Nikki got on that conference call. <laughs> Etre discipline. And what an utterly odd episode, I have to say. It was by far the best of the five, obviously. But it was just a really weird episode. Well, because they, they've never done a twist like this before on any mall season ever? No. It got to the end and I was like, is that it? Are they actually not going to show us the end of this challenge? Once it got to... I think once they started this challenge and I saw that there was about 15 or 16 minutes left, and I'm thinking, wait, this is a 24-hour challenge. There is no way they'll even get to the quiz by this point. And then once they got to that, once they got to Piambino, I'm thinking, hmm, yeah, we're not going <laughs> to... This is this is definitely the cliffhanger, and I'm going to guess... I'm going to guess for next week that the first 20 minutes of the episode at least, if not more, is going to be spent on the remainder of this challenge. Yeah, because next week's going to be a really truncated episode if they're not careful, because it'll either be the entire episode is the culmination of this challenge, which I hope it isn't, because it'll probably be glacially paced and really difficult for us to talk about. Or it's going to be the end of the challenge, immediate double elimination, let's be honest, probably between the four, and then two challenges after that, and then another execution. Or it'll be the end of the challenge, double execution, two challenges, and then the final four execution will be held over until the start of episode seven. I'm thinking they might do another challenge before the double execution. No, it's got to be it's got to be after this one, I think, because if there was another challenge before the double execution, then they would have probably shown us a little bit of that challenge in the preview because they literally only showed us bits from the culmination of this challenge. It suggests that there's going to be a final four straight after this challenge yeah it's tough it's tough to gauge what's exactly going to happen because there's still there's still three more is there still three more episodes after this well if there is a double execution officially after this episode and then a single execution either at the end of the next episode or right at the start of the following one then we'll have seven normal episodes and a reunion at the end there will actually be a reunion episode like, normally it would be eight episodes plus a reunion, but the reunion might be the full eighth episode? Well, normally it would be eight, then a final three episode, and then a reunion, because there's usually ten episodes. Whereas because it's eight episodes, there's going to be six normal episodes, the final three one, and then the reunion, if it all works out. This does answer my question about how they're actually going to get to a final three by the last episode. Right. So, so it really is only going to be eight episodes total. Yeah, assuming it pans out how I think it's going to now, then it will just be eight episodes, including the reunion. Either that or there's going to be a mid-episode execution for the for episode seven, which has happened before. They do have history with mid-finale executions. Tico was actually a victim of one of those. And then they would have a final two on episode seven? <laughs> Basically, there'd be one challenge, the mid-finale execution, two challenges, and then the final three vs. de mole. Find out next week, but... Hmm. So, previously, the final seven were split up on the way to Florence, with four of them painting and three of them looking at paintings. When they reunited, they were faced with an impossible challenge before Ellie had to divide them into three separate groups of tourists. At the execution, it was an abrupt end for the Queen of Eta Discipline, as Ellie got an instant red screen. 
And thank you to the lovely Marika for actually pulling us up on a couple of bits uh, from last week's podcast. She said that Ellie apparently got an instant red screen because the clouds were drawing in and there was going to be a massive storm. So they just had to quickly get the execution out of the way and then deal with it, basically. <laughs> uh, just, uh, I guess you don't tell the contestants that. You just say, oh, welcome to execution, but secretly, let's get this to over and done with as soon as possible. Yeah, let's just get this shit over with and get it done. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the other bit was that for the gallery challenge, the correct order for the numbers was always going to be chronological order. It was just a bit lost in translation. Oh, okay. So it actually wasn't as mean as I thought with them having to guess where where the pairs of numbers went. So Ron actually had the right idea with having everybody remember the years? No, it it was basically the lower the lower gallery number first, and then the higher gallery number second. Oh, I see. Just numerical order in terms of the numbers. Oh, okay, it wasn't actually so. Ron was still Ron was still odd. Okay. <laughs> and did you notice what the title was? No, I did not. I'm disappointed because I was hoping for another Logan Saunders attempt Dutch feature, and the title was to get rid of or roadwork or Vegverken. Vegverken. And Patrick talks about how odd it is to be halfway through the season and how everyone doesn't want to waste their second chance. Neuroan says that Ron and Nikki are quite closed off compared to the other four. And they are driven to a very scenic area. Tico compares it to Kenya, which he knows is in the continent of Africa. That's the continent of Africa, not the country. (laughs) Foreshadowing for our next podcast. And they are in Grosseto. And Rick says the fact that the test was tied has shaken some people and that everyone has found their mole yet. He says they'll be taking a boat to Elba eventually, but first the Tuscan Riviera and Pisa, where a surprise will await which will shake up the group. And he wasn't actually lying for once. Yeah, it's a, it's good. we're going to get to the biggest twist they've ever done. <laughs> so day 10 begins in the Val de Cornia. Rick meets them on the beach, and spread out across the beach are puzzle pieces. If they can remember the challenges they've already done that season, then they will know how to put the pieces together. It will test their memory. Sorry, Tico, you've got no chance. And he actually tells them for once that it could earn 1,750 euros and that they have 30 minutes for the challenge. And this challenge is definitely mold. (laughs) Because they do not get too far into this. No, but even when you look at the order that it's meant to be, because we get a graphic for this as well, even when you look at the order it's meant to be, it isn't very logical, if you ask me. How it was just that big chain? Yeah, it it was a chain, but it wasn't very logical for boxes one to be connected to two, to be connected to three and four and so on. It kind of weaved around, didn't it? Yeah, it was like a snake, wasn't it? Yeah, because I remember that seven ended up being kind of in one of the weird bits, which was actually the box with the money in in the end. And Nikki says, oh joy, we have to think. And she says that she was worried that they would have to lift them, which of course they do. (laughs) and all of the puzzle pieces represent a different assignment from episodes 1 to 4. When they put them together, they will find the one containing money. Spoilers, they don't get that far. And Ron ends up dropping a piece on Patrick's toes. Yeah, that was like my first note. Ron Ron does Ron stuff. (laughs) Classic Ron. Yeah, it's just peak Ron now, isn't it? If Ron somehow manages to bumble his way to the end, I think that that is a victory for this season. Yeah, we triggered... It was a pretty quick... First hot for Dama <laughs> for for this episode. It was it didn't take long. However, because it is Vias de Mole, they are not actually told how to arrange them and they've got to kind of stumble their way through it. Yeah, that makes it tougher. 
It's it's too bad that they weren't told, oh, this is how the grid is laid out to connect the boxes. Because then they were thinking they had to vertically stack them too. You know what this challenge was missing, though? This challenge was missing someone to actually provide leadership. And I'm thinking Ellie Loost. They would not have failed this challenge with Ellie there, because she would have been ordering them around. Yes. I, I, I think I had that in my notes too somewhere. <laughs> I'm thinking, hmm... This group of six, it's just a bunch of people talking over each other. Or in Nikki's case, you direct people and then you get really, really quiet. <laughs> I think everyone tried to be Ellie Loose and then they realized they couldn't be Ellie Loose and they just stepped back. Yeah, they just needed a leader. Someone actually taking control of this challenge and not letting them all mole, which they didn't have. <laughs> Although for the next challenge, we're going to see Ron, of all people, try to be the leader, but met with a lot of dissension. <laughs> and they struggled to work out what episode two's order actually was. It was stones, laser, and then questions on a bridge. But they think that it was stones, questions on a bridge, and then laser. What's funny is that we've interviewed people on this podcast from reality shows that they competed over fifteen years ago, and we're asking them for behind the seat for behind the scenes information that didn't make it onto TV that they wished had made it onto TV, and trying to get them to recount their experience. Here we have contestants on the 10th day of the game, and they can't remember what they did five days ago. I'm thinking, hmm, wonder if the interviews are all that reliable anymore. I feel like that section was definitely mold, and it was either Nikki doing some molding and going, I'm just going to randomly change the order around just so they definitely fail, or alternatively, it was someone hearing Nikki do that and not stopping Nikki doing that. Do you think a lot of people suspected Ellie? Well, yeah, she was one of the top suspects in the actual group last week. So I'm thinking the reason why they couldn't really work together is with Ellie gone, everyone is really suspicious of each other. Yeah, as Rick said, nobody really has a mole locked in yet. I wonder if, well, I think we've talked about this before, but I'm convinced at this point that the reason why challenges are A, mysterious, and B, higher in difficulty over the past couple seasons is to see how long they can make the mole go undetected. Now that we've had the China season and Colombia back-to-back with moles who really went undetected, I think they just want to keep that up and only have, consistently have one, maybe two people unmask who the mole is by the end of the game. Yeah, well, it was, it's been the same since... Well, Oregon was the first one of the, the four so far where the mole has really gone undetected. Yeah, it's been Oregon, Georgia, Columbia, China, where the mole's done really well. And I, and I think it's all because of the way they put together these challenges now. And then, especially this week where people thought they knew who the mole was, the biggest suspect got executed. And now everyone's just not really trusting each other. And that's why everything is going to be in disarray, possibly until the end of the game. Yeah, I think it's a side effect of the fact that the Dominican Republic mole was so easily spotted by about half of the group that they then go, maybe we're going to make this a little bit more difficult, and they've just not stopped making it a bit more difficult. I am fully not opposed to them making it difficult for people to find out who the mole is. However, they need to be very careful, because if they do it wrong, it then becomes an unsatisfying mole, like German mole was. German Mole was the biggest load of bullshit I have seen for a long while. I've still not watched the finale. I do know who the mole was because it was utterly stupid what they did with that mole. What happened? First things first, their theme for the season was essentially Belgian Mole but half-arsed. 
So there are a lot of Belgian mole challenges that came back where they just didn't understand what the the nuance was of the Belgian mole challenges. But the more important thing is every single execution had a twist and every single execution had a stupid twist. They did uh, Joker on the run. They did paint bomb execution. I think they did the Bertrand one at one point. But the biggest issue in terms of the execution twist that they did was that they did a really, really stupid new one, which was two people get red screens and then have a face-off challenge where the first person to make a mistake went home. Oh, and one of those people was the mole. Did the mole get executed? The mole did not get executed, but it was utterly pointless doing that twist because A, it was for no money, B, it meant that they carried it over to the next episode, and C, it meant that one of the most brilliant characters of the season went home in a completely and utterly rigged challenge. They also did the um, the Vietnam bungee jump, or a very similar challenge to it, and the Jeffrey um, split the pot challenge as well, as one of their execution twists. So they really didn't... That That's like five irregular executions right there, at least. Yeah, and that's just off the top of my head. There was not a single normal execution, I don't think. Until final three. Even then, the, the final four one was um, was a... You get to see all your screens privately and try and convince uh, the other people that you didn't get the red one. It was essentially the um, the Bertram one. It was stupid anyway. That's the rant that I've been saving up for months when we can actually you know talk about German Marvel ones. So Euron and Nikki have an argument about Nikki apparently doing absolutely nothing, and spectacularly, they're actually worse at doing jigsaws than we are. <laughs> I like how at the end of the challenge, it just looks like somebody had... It looked like the Tasmanian devil had ran through the beach because there are just pieces everywhere and none of them are really connected. There's there's a couple pieces that are connected, then everything is just scattered about. Yeah, the really funny thing is how much effort Tico puts into this challenge and then is just utterly shattered by the end of it and they still don't win anything. I, I like how they probably put more effort into physically yelling at each other than they did physically lifting the objects. <laughs> So, unsurprisingly, the puzzle isn't complete within half an hour, so they earn absolutely nothing of a possible 1750 <laughs> I love Rick's reaction when he comes up to the beach. He says, yeah, you guys didn't do this challenge. I don't have to... I think he said, I don't, I don't really have to say anything, but you didn't win the money on this. My favourite thing is he just walks off without telling them how to do it. <laughs> it's a little bit reminiscent of Papa Ver Gilles de Costa in South Africa, where he's just kind of done with these people a little bit and just toying with them now obviously not to the same extent because papa bear is a god but it just really made me laugh how much he dismisses them straight away maybe that should be a half an hour challenge rick tells you how to put the puzzle together and see if they understand the explanation they definitely won't have and then i mean they'd have to play for a lower amount say 500 euros but i think that'd be a fair challenge for this group that is what their level is we tell you how to do the challenge. Can you do it? <laughs> yeah. We're literally going to give you detailed instructions on how to do this challenge. Please, for the love of God, don't let them all mole this one. And here's a phone for you to access Wikipedia where we have uploaded the explanation step by step as well. So you get a verbal explanation and a written explanation. And the money was inside box seven, which is the box of the locks on the olive tree assignment. The box of the locks. A roses, supposes, a Moses. Do you think that that was a clue? Probably. Because I know I referenced the the Miss Mole clue last last week with Oregon where they um, they completely and utterly were missing the mole. So they put in a clue 
and then the group didn't even solve it properly and find it out. This feels quite reminiscent of that. I'm just not sure who that would refer to. Would it refer to Tico, who was in the middle on that challenge? Would it refer to Nikki, who's always wearing a padlock on her wrist, on her bracelet? Would it refer to Ron, who did absolutely nothing in that challenge? (laughs) This is a clue to how useless Ron was earlier in the season. Oh, I should have spotted it! It feels like that's the sort of thing that is going to get revealed as a clue at the end of the season, and then we'll realise how. I'm just not sure who it refers to yet. Seven refers to the letter G in the alphabet, and G stands for the third letter in Peggy's name. And the fourth letter. And the fourth letter. There are three letters in mole and four letters in mole. Well, that makes sense, actually. Four plus three equals seven. So they are driven to a farmhouse where envelopes await, saying, make pairs and open an envelope. And it's Nikki and Tico, Peggy and Patrick, and Ron and Euroan as the pairs. They are each given a different colour of car and a location. And no instructions whatsoever. And that night, Ron proposes a bond with Patrick as they always seem to share a room, but he hesitates, asking whether it is a little bit too early. It is final six, Ron. You should have had two bonds by now. It's like, the season's almost done. I don't think you want to bond at final three because your bond is either A, the mole, or B, the person who you'll be competing against for the entire prize money. So realistically, well, now that we know about this double execution twist, is it too early to have a bond when there's only two rounds left where the bond is useful? (laughs) Where I can have a bond? Or should I wait one more round and have a bond for one episode? Do I have it for one episode or two episodes? I don't know. And Ron also says that he is suspecting Nikki, but Patrick doesn't believe him. He thinks that Ron is also onto Peggy and trying to throw him off. And Patrick tries to get him to focus on Nikki and get himself executed. There's so much trust in this bond. (laughs) I'm going to form a bond with this guy just to throw him away from who he wants me to suspect is the mole. Just to try and get him executed. Yeah, and the thing is, it might backfire for one, if not both of them, to try and do this. (laughs) And for once this season, we actually get to see them hang out a bit. Peggy says it's nice to cook for once, and they all speculate what the challenge will actually be. I thought it was going to be something to do with the food they were making. Like, where's the where's the piece of cake without the blueberry on it? It's not as basic as US Mole, Logan. <laughs> and there will be no skinny dipping from anyone in this cast. Please, God, do not burn that image into my mind. Oh, man. It's, Ron may think it's too early to form a bond, but he won't think it's too early to skinny dip. Although the weather looks horrendous for skinny dipping. <laughs> Bearing in mind that this is the oldest non-celebrity Big Brother cast ever, it's not the sort of cast you ever want to think about skinny dipping. And they were told to pack a bag for an evening away. And Nikki says that they won't have any more old moles because those people actually have jobs to do. (laughs) And Tico says that he guessed the assignment in the car on the way to the previous uh, challenge. And then Rick does his intro from Pisa on day 11 and says that normally they're each other's opponents, but in the second assignment they have to work together. However, two people will leave this challenge with more of an advantage than the others. I can't believe that Nikki actually said that the other old moles won't be here because they have actual jobs, which implies that all the other mold moles who have shown up are unemployed, have fake jobs, or jobs with a low reputation. (laughs) So that's amusing. Thinking about it, like half of the old moles we've seen so far, not that you know who any of them are, are either TV presenters or actors. So 
let's be honest, at this point in the actual timeline, their work's probably dried up a little bit. They have time to fly to, to Italy and make a cameo. Yeah, in fact, they were asking if they could just hang around for a couple more episodes. But I'm not going to lie, Nikki shouting at Tico in this uh, in this scene was probably going to be the banner, and I thought, we've probably had too many Nikki banners now. There's only been one that hasn't featured Nikki so far this season, and I'm giving her a week off this week. We've got to peak Nikki now. <laughs> so they are all taken to Pisa and given sports cars. Rick calls them on a conference call and takes a roll call. And they've all been given directions for another team in their car, and they have to pass those over a conference call. If they all arrive on time within an hour, they will earn 1,500 euros for the pot. And immediately, they agree not to talk over each other, but this is Vista Mall. That's not going to end very well. I like how they're all given Austin Powers cars. And there's something that was pointed out in the intro of this challenge that I don't think will be a clue, but if it is, I'm highlighting it now. And that is that you know how we love to talk about movie music whenever they play it in Fiesta Mall or Demol? Yes. At the start of this challenge, apparently they play the theme from the Pixar film Inside Out. And someone in this cast voiced one of the main characters in the Dutch dub of Inside Out. That person is Peggy. And people are kind of debating whether this is a clue. This only kind of came up today because we're recording this on Monday this week. This only kind of came up today because people have spotted it. I don't know whether it's going to be a clue, because they do love some film music, but if it is, then kudos to Alex McMillan for actually flagging this, because it's interesting if it is going to be a, a clue. That's impressive that somebody knew that Peggy did the voice uh, did voice acting for Inside Out. Yeah. I mean, I double-checked it to make sure that it was Peggy, and it was, but I'm interested to see whether, whether it is actually going to be a clue, because spoilers for the end of this episode, I have a, a small feeling that Peggy might be one of the double boots. Or you just keep her in there and she's not a suspect, or she's not the mole, and then that just throws everyone off heading into the final reveal. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, up until I heard this clue, I was pretty confident with who my two people I think are going to go home, because we are going to discuss this at the end of the episode. Peggy, I still think, is probably going to be one of those two. I just don't know for certain anymore. So Ron and Yeroen ignore Nikki's request for their second set of directions, and she gets a little bit tetchy with them. And by a little bit tetchy, I mean screams at them, give me my instructions. <laughs> Ellie Luce would be furious with how people used implemented the use of walkie-talkies as challenge. She would have been all over them like a rash with this. One thing that upset me is that, I don't can't remember who, but somebody pronounced Thelma and Louise as Telma and Louise. I don't know why, but that drove me bonkers. That was Patrick. I know exactly who that was. He described himself and Peggy as Telma and Louise. But that's just his accent, so you're racist, Logan. No, Thelma. I, 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 don't, I don't think the Dutch dub of Thelma and Louise said it as Telma and Louise. I'm sure you're about to get loads of hate mail as soon as I leave this in the podcast. You're racist. Jesus Christ. Somehow this is going to be our most controversial episode this week, and we've got the Amazing Race preview to come. Or maybe, maybe Patrick has a reverse lisp, where he can't, he can't do the TH sound. Maybe it's why it's uh, they were forced to say Eter Discipline instead of Ether Discipline. I guess if they said it as Eter Discipline all the time, even though there's an ETH in there, I guess the TH sound is just pronounced with a hard T in Dutch. Yes, yeah, it's a discipline. 
Oh, and they don't pronounce the E at the end either. Okay. Granted, we don't either in discipline. That, that makes my point moot. So Peggy ends up being a little bit impatient because they're standing still. And Ron and Euron and Patrick and Peggy enjoy themselves on the ride. Nikki, however, says, will Patrick and Peggy please shut up? And then when they get stuck at a, uh, a railway crossing, Ron and Euron get mobbed by a Chinese tour group. And something I found very interesting about this challenge is, I'd say about 90-95% of the time, Nikki didn't have the phone on speaker. She was the only person not to have the phone on speaker out of the three who were holding the phones. Which is really interesting if that's a mole action, because that is how I would sabotage if I was the mole. I would get control of the phone, and I would not necessarily relay the instructions perfectly. Yeah, or just, you know, do the classic, pretend you're holding the button down when you're not. Well, it was it was proper phones. Oh. So they couldn't actually do that with this one. They could have put their phone on mute, but it was a proper phone. They actually couldn't get away with holding the button down this time. Mm. Do you think Tina was amongst the Chinese tour group? Probably, yeah. It was uh, instead of having an old mole, we had an old contestant who failed twice. <laughs> so Patrick and Peggy have trouble finding a white bridge, meaning that Nikki ends up screaming their next instruction so they can actually hear it that time. <laughs> and Ron says that he wants to pull into a restaurant and ask them something. And then in probably the scene of the episode, Tico decides to go to the bathroom in the bushes while Nikki gets instructions. However, he ends up coming across an Italian prostitute. <laughs> and gives her a wave. Well, you gotta be polite. You can't just ignore the prostitutes that are uh, coming across your path on us. Yeah, they're, they're people too. Don't make me make prostitutes of people too, the, uh, the title. <laughs> Hashtag prostitutes are people too. Especially for Tico. Well, from what I've heard, um, Tico is actually a bit of a is actually known as being quite a womanizer, so it's perfectly wonderful that he actually uh, was the one person to come across an Italian prostitute here. Maybe he, he's had the same job for the past couple of years. He has to make ends meet somehow. He's like, oh, I, I remember you from the conference. He makes a living off the sweaty dollar bills. <laughs> Women just have a thing for that kind of homeless look, what can I say? How did I know that this bit of the podcast was going to be the one that got derailed? I don't know. There's something about prostitutes that makes me lose focus. Story of your life. So, Nikki and Tico end up leaving the city, and when Nikki's given the last instruction, their phone gets hung up. And Nikki and Tico pull up somewhere off-road, and that's literally the last we properly see of them. And then Yeroen and Ron don't arrive in time, but Peggy and Patrick do make it to the Leaning Tower of Pisa. That earns them absolutely nothing of a possible 1,500 euros, and he says that Tico and Nikki also arrived on time, but at a different location. As a result of their different location, they've escaped test and execution, as have the rest of them, for now. Because two of them will go home at the next execution. Specifically, two of the four of them, if they don't find Tico and Nikki within 24 hours. Imagine if the mole is in that group of four, which my top three suspects are all in that group of four. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really interesting to think about how the mole would position themselves in this. Because the mole has absolutely no horse in the race as to whether there is a double execution with four people and a double execution with six. The mole does not care in the slightest what happens. Well, kind of, because if it's if, if within the group of four, let's say there's two people in the group of four who are the only two suspecting you of being the mole, if two of those people, I mean, then you're guaranteed one of those people are going to be executed at the double execution. Yeah, it just doesn't. 
it doesn't make a complete lot of sense to me, basically, this challenge, because it's obviously a brilliant challenge, it's such a wonderful idea, but it's a weird challenge in that the mole really doesn't care. Well, there is money involved, too, though. There is, but also, with the threat of double execution, is everyone really going to go for money? Well, apparently so, because they do argue in the restaurant over what to do. I know, but in theory, I don't think anyone's actually going to go for money. Especially as, in the preview, we did see the two clue bits. We did not see anyone attempt to go for the money. Because I suspect there's going to be a mini-challenge to get the money as well. For some reason, if especially if the people of the three non-moles in the group of four all s- suspect somebody within the, the group as the mole, they're all probably thinking, hmm, if I go for the money, I risk having a 66% chance of being executed. <laughs> Maybe I don't go for the money this time. You have lower odds of being executed in the finale. <laughs> this is what I mean. The group of four aren't really going to care about money in theory because... The bigger focus for them is making sure they are not executed and to minimize the odds of them getting executed. Because if they if they go for money and fail the challenge as a result, then they probably don't get the money, number one, but also number two, they have a one in two chance of going home, and that's assuming the mole isn't in that group. If they pass the challenge, they have a one in three chance, which in reality is actually going to be 40% chance. It's the difference of 27%. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot see how the mole would care at all where they are in this challenge. Depending on what Nikki and Tico have to do next week, because we know they're locked in a cell somewhere, then maybe that will clarify a little bit more. But with the information we've got right now, the mole probably doesn't care. Did Columbia do a double execution at Final Six? Yes, and it was the stupid one because they did an extra non-elimination and then had Meryl mysteriously find the card on the Walker Temptation that had a double execution. Oh, good old Meryl. Not that I still think that that is one of the stupidest twists they've ever done, but it's one of the stupidest twists they've ever done. But at least with their double execution, it was within a group of six. With this, there's there's a chance it's going to be two and... I guess Columbia was actually two and five that you, you shot, you get executed. This is two out of three we could be seeing, which could be devastating for the hunt for the mole. It's an odd challenge, and depending on what happens next week, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about with it. I really hope it's the three, if if it is a group of four and they face a double execution, I really hope all three people are the three people who have the highest scores so far on the quizzes. <laughs> I hope not, just so it narrows the moles down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, all three, I mean, all, all of my suspects are in that group of four, so... If they have a double execution, that is fine by me. <laughs> There's too many people in that group who are suspicious at the moment. <laughs> yes, that's why I want them to have the double execution, so I can lose two of my suspects, most likely. And be like, well, I'm only down to one, I guess I'll go straight ticket for the rest of the season. So Rick gives them actual money for once, which is 500 euros, their passports, and some car keys. And Nikki and Tico are taken on a helicopter ride. And Nikki's word of the week is not Hunger Games. This week it's bizarre. Because she says that at every challenge this episode. And Peggy says that she's not used to driving an automatic van. She wants to drive so she can get a little bit of control back in the game. Because in a game like Vias de Mole, you relinquish all control, and she just wants a little bit. <laughs> well, I wish it was just a montage of her repeatedly stalling the car. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Because it's an automatic, it's physically impossible to stall an automatic. Oh, maybe she'll find a way. (laughs) 
that's why so much of the world now drives an automatic car is because it's way easier to drive. It's just, you know, the cheat's way out. <laughs> so they get absolutely nothing instruction-wise except for a keyring hanging on the mirror directing them to Piombino, which is a town near Grosseto. And where is Grosseto? Grosseto is where they were at the start of the episode. So they're looping back. Yeah, because when Rick did his introduction, he said that they were going to be visiting the Italian Riviera and Pisa and also Elba eventually. And that he described Grosseto, where they were at the start, as the gateway to Elba. So they were always going to kind of loop back on it. And they reference a French game show when they get to their destination at night. I was going to say this. Are you aware of Fort Bayard? Well, you have mentioned it. <laughs> I know I have, because Fort Bayard is one of the greatest game shows ever. In case you didn't know and in case you've never heard about it, it's essentially a floating Napoleonic fort in the middle of the Atlantic where they, in the 90s, decided to make it the world's largest floating television studio and put loads of ridiculous games in it. If you think the sort of challenge we talk about with Belgian Mole, that's the sort of level we're going for with some of the um, some of the Fort Bayard challenges. They are insane. And I can't remember, but somebody said, oh, it's Fort Bayard. It is, it was Peggy. Uh, so they find out that Piombino is 120 kilometers away from where they are, and Nick and Tico take a turn over the water towards the island of Elba. And in the van, Euroan and Peggy sing more than words, and Patrick despairs, and he ends up convincing them to listen to the radio, and they all end up having a bit of a sing-song. I don't know what it is about karaoke before a major twist on the mall. That, that seems to happen in Belgian mall too, where Os is like, oh... High stakes, guys. You must be nervous. And then the contestants use karaoke as their outlet every single time. Yeah, because we had this in the final four episode of um, of the South Africa season as well, didn't we? We had um, we had Jill go, "Oh, it's going to be a really tense execution," and then you just immediately cut to everyone singing Justin Timberlake. Yeah, because of the pass dragons that were handed out. He's like, "Oh, two of you have two pass dragons, and the other two don't. That's going to make things tense as you try to get into the final three. Dance, 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 dance. <laughs> so, Nikki and Tico land on a beach where a people carrier awaits to take them away, and that's literally the last we see of them. And it is nighttime by the time that the group of four arrive in Piombino. Patrick and Ron try and get some help from the locals. Ron, obviously being Ron, targets a street cleaner who knows no English whatsoever. But Patrick gets a bit luckier with the local and finally sees the tower, which, as you said, Peggy compares to Fort Bayard when they get there. And at the top of the tower is a box with a combination lock and a compass and four directions. And there are also four numbers on the walls to point to and unlock the box. Which doesn't take them long, let's be honest. And inside the box is a map, tickets for a theatre, and also boat tickets for the next morning. The map is of Elba, where Napoleon was staying. And the boat ticket is for 8.20 on November the 15th. And also on the map are Euro signs and magnifying glasses, where they will find money for the pots and information about where Nick and Tico are, respectively. I find it a bit odd that they just didn't make them keep going in this challenge. Yeah, it, it's really weird because obviously they're just trying to kind of narrow the time down a little bit in terms of making it a time crunch for them to search all the way across Elba to find them. But the fact of the matter is, it's like a 45-minute journey from what they were saying, and... They're going to have a lot of time on Elba regardless. If we assume that the challenge started somewhere around like 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, they're going to have hours to find them. It'd be funny if the money that Rick handed them was actually money from the pot. Yeah, it was mole money. It was just two Ellie loose notes. <laughs> yeah. You mean this is not legal tender in Italy? 
It is only on the island of Elba, though. It's a special, um, a special predispensation. Yeah, they just they just see. Oh, yeah, Ellie lives. Yeah, yeah, we accept that. <laughs> yeah, get on this ferry. And because this is an odd, odd challenge, they also have to find a hotel for themselves to sleep in. They find one quite quickly at seventy-five euros a night. And Ron says at dinner that he's concerned that the money spots will distract them from actually finding Nikki and Tico. He's a little bit stressed about, you know, the potential of of a two in three chance of going home. And they agree that they are going for money as well as Nikki and Tico. And that is where the episode ends. They earned absolutely nothing of a possible 3,250 euros of the episode and 8,110 euros of a possible 26,672 euros and 50 cents for the season so far. Hmm. So next time they search the island of Elbert for Nikki and Tico, we see both magnifying glass spots clues, and that is all that is in the preview. I like how they had to make the obligatory Da Vinci Code reference during the challenge too. Of course. Because it's like any any challenge with lots of puzzles always gets compared to the Vinci Code on every single reality show ever. <laughs> and also, you can't go anywhere near like Tuscany or any part of Italy really and do a puzzle show where they don't end up referencing the Da Vinci Code somewhere. That's just how it works. And I like when they go out for dinner, just Ron's like, ah, I don't think we go for the money. And everyone else is like, we want to go for the money. We're going for the money, Ron. <laughs> yeah, we're not going <laughs> Yeah, bearing in mind, Ron, that Yeroen went fifth, Peggy went like seventh, Patrick went like seventh, you went first, so defer to the people who actually know what they're talking about here. <laughs> so yeah, that is basically the end of the episode. It was a very abrupt ending, as as we discussed. I like how the biggest fear going into next episode is Ron saying, is worrying about having to climb. <laughs> Well, he's not as young as he used to be. He turned 59 during this season, Saunders. I thought it was 49. No, that's just what he claimed. Oh, he's a liar. Yeah. Why would he lie? I know. He lies with his eyes, what can I say? He lies with his puzzle piece drop onto Patrick's toes. So, number one, who do you suspect? You can have two. I guess I'll just stick with Peggy and your own, and then after the double execution, Patrick will probably enter the mix. And most importantly, who do you think are going to be the at least two people who go home next week? Uh, I think Nikki's going to go. I think it's going to be her time. See, my feeling is, I went into this going, it's going to be Peggy and Patrick, because they basically had the entire episode to themselves here, and it felt like Peggy's last stand especially. With the inside-out clue, I'm kind of indifferent on whether Peggy is actually going to go yet. I think it will be two of Patrick, Peggy, and Yeroen. I don't see it being Ron, I don't see it being Nikki, and I don't see it being Tico, sadly. I feel like Nikki and Tico are going to still get exemptions. I don't think they're going to find them in time. And somehow, I think Ron's going to scrape his way through, and I don't know who will join him. But I think I'm leaning towards it being Peggy's last stand, and Peggy going home. And I think it's probably more likely Yeroen than Patrick. Having said that, all three of those could go because there is still the potential of a single elimination to end the next episode. We lose half the cast in one go. We could genuinely lose three people next week. And it does also mean, I know you did say you're not going to use your Switch, but I do have to say this, it does also mean that this is the last week of Switches. I didn't even know there were still going to be Switches. (laughs) Yeah, because you... You said at the start of the season, if there are switches, then I'm just not going to use mine. I want to see how good my instinct was. 
But I do have yeah. to say, the official line is as soon as there are less than five people in the game, the switches are no longer active. Therefore, this is the last week to use them if you're going to. And my suspicions are still, let's be honest, Nikki and then Peggy in that order. I feel like both of them had some sort of mole action this week. I feel like the episode was pretty much dedicated to Peggy, though. See, she didn't even really stand out to me as a character as much this round. The entire narrative was basically around her because we had her her and Patrick doing like 90% of the confessionals. We had her saying it's nice to cook for once. We had her talking about how it's nice to drive for once. How it's nice to actually get a bit of control in the game of Fiesta Mall, which you don't get all the time. It was a Peggy-heavy episode, this one. And of course, because there wasn't a quiz or execution at all, Zero seems not even like a fake-out execution where... It's all about, oh, only three of you get to see your screens. If you all get green screens, nobody goes home. So because we didn't get a quiz or an execution, we get a ton of character scenes all throughout this episode. Yeah, it felt like after this episode, Peggy is either going to win or go home next week straight away. It felt to me like a Peggy's last stand episode, but I will be happy to be proven wrong next week because I do like Peggy, I'll be honest. If the group of four are the only ones vulnerable, I expect Patrick and Euron to go. Just because I think it would be hilarious for Ron to be in the final four. <laughs> yeah. And the final thing that we do have to discuss, seen as though somehow we managed to look into this, um, we're recording this on Monday, and they announced this afternoon that Vistamol 21 is officially going to premiere on January 2nd. I have no idea how. I have no idea when they filmed this, if they've filmed it at all yet, whether they've just started filming, but apparently it is definitely going to be a thing. Hmm. You were saying, I think before the podcast, you were saying that Rick is potentially filming it right now? Yeah, because the teaser trailer is so limited, I'm assuming you've not seen it, but it's essentially Rick pretending to talk to the next group of candidates, but it's blatantly obvious he's in a room on his own with a black curtain behind him. Rick has apparently booked off his news job for the next two weeks, which makes me think they're probably going to be filming it in the next two weeks. But, on the flip side, there's a theory that they've just filmed it, and he's just come back from it. Oh, because then he get, he would go into quarantine. Yeah, because it still gives him enough time to come back to the Netherlands and do the reunion episode, if they have this two-week buffer here. If it was filmed in the last couple of weeks, there is a strong rumour of the area of the world where it's going to be. And there is no confirmation whatsoever on this, so this is utterly baseless. Can I guess? Yeah, you can guess. I have My first two guesses would be Mexico and Turkey. Mexico, Patrick's season filmed in, so they won't go back there. Turkey, I've not heard. Serbia? Uh, no good choice, but the theory I've heard is either Sweden or Norway. And it's based entirely on the fact that very recently, Rick followed the official account for um, the Lofoten Islands on Instagram. And that's in Norway and or Sweden? That is where the Norway episode of uh, The Amazing Race 23 took place. Oh. If it is Norway and Sweden, that would be amazing because neither of them have featured on a mole season before. And as we previously discussed, we've not had a cold weather mole season for a long while. And I believe it's been a long time since Norway had their version of the mole, their own version of the mole. Did Norway ever have the mole? Yes, they definitely did because they filmed a season in Canada. Because I remember, once upon a time in two thousand one or two thousand two, there was a GeoCities website, and they did written summaries for all the different international versions of the mole that were going on at the time and archived them. The website, I think, was only around for about 
two, maybe three years, but they definitely had a Norway version. And I remember they, they, I believe they filmed the season in Alberta or Saskatchewan. I think, I think it pretty much was all in the prairies. I've just Googled it. You are indeed correct. It's, uh, it aired between January 2000 and December 2002. Yeah. But yeah, Norway and Sweden, as far as I am concerned, have never had a um, a mole season actually set there. So that's really interesting. Well, I think that the weather is a big point of discouragement. <laughs> yeah, but if you think they normally film sort of August time for the Dutch seasons, that's like peak actually warm time in Scandinavia. You could actually get decent weather in Scandinavia in, in August. Yeah, if if they actually did film in July or August, yeah, they'll be fine. It might be a little bit colder in October-November time, though. Yeah, if they haven't filmed it yet, that's going to be a miserable filming schedule. It's going to be a proper cold weather season. Especially if they go as far north as you expect. <laughs> yeah, take it with a pinch of salt, essentially. Nothing's been confirmed. The mole books are out in about six weeks, so we'll probably know by then. But I just think it's very interesting how... Nobody really knew that they'd filmed season 21, and now all of the detectives are out and trying to work out A, who's on it, and B, where they were. Yeah, how often do they know where they're going and like one or two people who are going to be on it? Has it really happened where everyone's like, oh, what? They did a season? Or are going to do a season? They're pretty good with it because most of them obviously have to take two or three weeks after social media, and if it's if it's an atypical thing for that person to take so much time off social media, then it's a pretty big clue. Yeah, and they're all D-list celebrities within the Netherlands, so somebody's going to figure it out. Obviously, you get someone like Robert from Colombia, where he has no social media presence whatsoever, and everyone's like, really? That's okay, cool. And then CNN, they couldn't figure out, because they didn't know if he was being held hostage in North Korea or Syria. Yeah, that's that's a good point. But yeah, most of the time, they pretty much guess the cast correctly, I would say. So have you got anything else you want to say? No, it's tough to comment on an episode where no one goes home. There's no quiz. There's no execution. We just get this mega twist that, that is only halfway into playing out. So we got to wait for the rest of it to play out too. And then we can comment a lot more. I'm just eager to see how, even though it's a 24-hour challenge, is it really only going to come down to like five hours of it? on the? I mean, really, this whole first half, this whole first night of the challenge on the timer has meant nothing. Because <laughs> the ferry didn't, the ferry doesn't take off till 8.20 in the morning. So you think, hmm, all they had to do was get to that box by about 5am and they would be okay. Functionally, this last challenge in the episode is utterly irrelevant to everything. Because the mole doesn't really care what happens in the first half of the challenge. There's no money on the line for any of the contestants until they get to the island, so the first part of this challenge is utterly irrelevant. Let's be honest, they were pretty much guaranteed to get that ferry because there's pre-booked tickets and everything, so it doesn't really matter how long they drive. It's character scenes, but ultimately, the last 20 minutes of this episode are kind of irrelevant. And I mean, they got there early enough to where they still found a restaurant that was open. And I don't think Piambino's really the biggest town in Italy that I'm aware of to have to have restaurants open late. No. So, thank you for listening to our VS de Mole Renaissance recap. We will be back next week to continue the hunt for the newest mole in Italy. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us on contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at logsquacky, and I am MJ Harmstone. Thank you, as always, to Marika for the subtitles. We will see you next week. And, more importantly, we'll see you for Amazing Race 32's preview on Sunday. See ya. Peace.
Peace out and just chill until the next of flavoring.